they took a chance on me and they just said, well, we're just going to give you this 400 a month and go do it. And I did. And I moved in with a friend of mine. And within six months, you know, those months were hard. But the back half of the six months, I made that 40 in six months. So it was a good move. Welcome back to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. My guest today, Shay Murtaugh, is the head of Pittsburgh's largest media agency, meaning her agency helps some of the biggest companies, clients in the region spend their advertising dollars distributing media across TV, digital, all sorts of other platforms. She goes into an enormous amount of detail explaining exactly how that works in this interview and how she broke into the business via media sales back in the days of magazines and radio. She's a badass. I loved talking with Shay. I learned a lot and I am certain that you will as well. Here is my conversation with Shay Murtaugh. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Jay, thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I am uh, really excited for people to learn all sorts of stuff about business building. We love a bootstrapped entrepreneur on the show. Uh, but to start things off, just to help people, because agencies are, are, are a type of business where, or even like a marketing agency, it's this very big umbrella. And then there's so many different little areas that a, a firm can fall underneath that. So I kind of wanted to start off with Hoffman Murtaugh, your company, where that falls under the general umbrella of a marketing agency, how you help your clients, and then we can kind of expand out from there. Yeah, so we really call ourselves the banking part of marketing. And so anytime anybody has uh, media funds or marketing dollars, we're the ones that kind of control those dollars. We decide um, based on the client's target and where we feel that we should, um, you know, where they're consuming media, we'll find the places to put the money. And we buy it extremely effectively, more than people can buy it themselves. And so we really look at ourselves as the bank. Um, and then most full service agencies, they kind of dabble in all the different places. They dabble in the creative, the media, and all that stuff. But we focus only on the media. Uh, we like to be um, experts at it. And we also don't like uh, creative to dictate where we're going to put our media. So um, in the past, sometimes full service agencies will say, let's make a great television commercial. And television shouldn't even be on the buy. So, so we've really kind of made a niche is that the right word? Niche? Niche, niche, who knows? Yeah, I know. We, we made one to really just say, let's focus on our lane of media. And we've really expanded to earned shared own media. So we follow the peso model. Um, I did not invent the peso model. I probably should learn the guy's name that did. But it's all about paid, earned, shared own media and tying all those things together to actually build a brand. Gotcha. And so the the kind of amongst other key value props for the client is, hey, we're not just, and even if it is a substantial sum, not just spending your money across all the different channels that this media could actually be shared across. We're doing it for all these different clients, all these different verticals, all these different industries, and have not only a well-worn muscle of allocating those funds in an efficient way, but already starting to have a feel for what is working. What does the data actually say? Man, there was a heck of a response to the campaign on platform A and, you know, crickets on, on platform Correct. B. Correct. And we've actually found a way to tie in traditional media. We now watermark it. 
Okay. And we can actually showcase if a television ad runs and we connect it to somebody's CRM system. We can actually see if that ad brought uh, calls in or if people went online for new users. And so we're now doing a full circle of all media tied into analytics through uh, Power BI dashboards and really just being able to showcase exactly that the media is all working. And even you, you're referencing some of the um, like uh, complete agencies that, that, you know, full service, the kind of dirty secret with a fair amount of those is they, they hold the full service moniker so they can kind of get that specific client relationship, but then they even have subdomains where they have more or less expertise. So you, they may even bring you in potentially as a partner Correct. to fill the media buying side because they are maybe more of the creative shop or the branding company or something like that. Yeah. For example, in Pittsburgh alone, uh, we're the largest media only team. So yeah. if we look at some of the other full service agencies, we tend to have a larger team. We're hitting 30 people right now. Wow. And they're pretty much all media. We only have uh, two people in accounting. So, so yeah, we're really just a bigger team overall than most companies um, full service with their full team. So they might have 200 employees, um, but our media team's larger. That's awesome. And, you know, between execution and then having the size and the scale, it probably brings a lot of confidence to all those meetings where you can confidently say, you know, we're the biggest the biggest for a reason because we know what we're doing here. Yeah. And then on top of it, we have a lot of um, regional clients. And so with that, we get a lot of regional, um, you know, power buying per se to be able to really kind of push the market where we need to on some of the traditional mediums. When it comes to digital, it's, you know, it's all supply demand and, um, you know, understanding what your target is and, and actually putting an RFP out to actually get, you know, good pricing and making sure that the product you work with is a good product. But outside of that, of the traditional, it's all about um, having the tools and understanding to be able to do a, a really strong negotiation. If we can go in and buy half of what other companies are buying on television, that other half of that money could be put into a digital video campaign. And so we just really understand who is our target, how are they consuming media, and then those mediums will, will, will fall into place based on that target. So it's, it's being an integrated agency, which is important right now right in the on. industry. Well, I, I want to I talk a little bit about the present, but I think it makes sense right now to go um, back to the past a little bit, because if anyone you know was enamored with the, the world of marketing agencies generally, maybe it's because they saw a show like Mad Men, which really was more glorifying the creative side unless Correct. the distribution is like, and this is going to run in every magazine or what have you. And it was almost like a, you know, foregone conclusion or, or less, you know, explored part of that show in particular. Yeah. Um, and I have a theory on that too. <laughs> hit me with it. Okay. And hopefully this is where you're going. Yeah. Um, so my team is mainly women. Uh, my leadership team is women. And most people always come and say to me, wow, you really just decided to built these women's careers. And no, it's because of the Mad Men era. They only focused on creative. Creative was king for most full service agencies. And so women actually became the dominant uh, figures and leaders in the media world. And so I usually have, it's always women that are the tops of this field um, because of full service agencies and a show like Mad Men. They didn't really focus on it as much. And media um, we see is equal to creative. Uh, media can actually dictate what creative we're going to make. So we could come through and say, wow, uh, your target is 50% of them are pretty much on Snapchat all day. What could you do with that, right? You can come back with a whole campaign on Snapchat and yeah. really uh, showcase what kind of KPI you want to hit. So, um, yeah, media, we feel, is just as equal as creative. If anything, it's starting to dictate creative. 
Right on. Well, so part of the reason, and, and you know, Hannah's probably going to be sick of me because I, I just regurgitate this all the time, but one of my favorite um, like tropes or themes or takeaways or lessons is first-time founders focus on product, second-time founders focus on distribution. And they understand that if this isn't getting out, it doesn't matter how amazing the piece of creative is, it doesn't matter how whiz-bang my product is, if this is not distributed to the appropriate parties in an efficient way, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that the margins aren't going to be there. The opportunities aren't going to be there. The growth isn't going to be there to actually, you know, have a future for the business. Yeah. And right now we actually have to break our targets down to three different targets. Um, so anybody over the age of 50 is still heavily watching broadcast, um, you know, still listening to radio. A lot of um, all ages are still listening to radio based on the format. Um, but we really had to break our targets down. So we now will say, oh, your target is uh, 25 to 64. We're going to look at uh, 45 to 64, then we'll look at maybe 35 to 54, and then 25 to 34, and those are three different targets. Um, a 25 to 34-year-old is barely ever on broadcast television uh, today, and so we would look at a video campaign for them. Or, um, And then if we're looking at the 50 group, they are using uh, traditional television. And this market itself, you know, we have a lot of clients nationally, and we have a lot of clients um you know, around the region, but we do have a lot of Pittsburgh clients. And in Pittsburgh, this market is a very strong broadcast viewing market. A lot of people don't know that. Interesting. Uh, we're the second oldest county in the country next to Dade County, Florida. And so with that, uh, in a top 25 market in the country, we're the strongest broadcast viewing market. So just understanding all those things, just, you know, some a lot of companies will come out and just basically say, oh, TV's dead. Well, where are they getting that information? It's a headline. You know, it, the market itself will dictate if television is dead. Um, you look at a market like San Francisco, those bigger markets, they're very strong. Um, connected televisions, like they are moving away from the broadcast model uh, because they just have younger people. So, um, but it's it's completely researching and understanding that consumption behavior before you can ever get that message out. And for example, if somebody came to me and said, wow, we want to reach, um, you know, 25 to 34 year olds and we're, we want you to put an ad on television, it's not going to work. So yeah. it's just understanding the consumption and, and what people are trying to do. I think the only broadcast television commercial that I might see would be between uh, either, you know, live NFL or Correct. live NBA. I really think that's the only time. And it's the biggest brands are the ones advertising. It's State Farm or some sort of crazy like, Yeah, you did know, you ever wonder why Google's on television and Apple? Yeah. Why do you think they're all on it? Because that's probably how they actually expand their user it, it's base. It's a way to build their brand. It's just mass media marketing. It's You can reach so many more people, 18 plus, with one commercial than you could um, on a digital play. And yeah. so it's a full package of awareness, engagement, and conversion is what's needing for any kind of media budget. Gotcha. Well, I, I wanted to go back to the past a little bit, but you just keep dropping knowledge bombs on me. Um, <laughs> the, the the past though of, of breaking into this, so you, you did illustrate to some degree there is maybe a um, a, a cultural, more of a cultural focus on the creative side, which tends to um, open the door for opportunities for, for women to advance in the field. But um, just in general, I think media buying is even less, um, there's just less of a general awareness of this as a potential Correct. career path. Correct. And so I know that you got uh, a start in the uh, marketing industry generally in media sales, but can you maybe take us through a little bit of your early days in the industry and then if there was a catalyzing event or you know a, a, a part of the trajectory that led to you starting your own thing? 
Yeah, so I went to school at Duquesne University, and I majored in advertising with a um, advertising slash PR degree. And I was I didn't really have any role models to actually help me get into the industry. I didn't know anybody in the industry, and so when I first graduated, I was completely lost. And I, you know, I just really didn't have anybody help me write a cover letter or review my cover letter. So I could just imagine the stuff that I was you know, sending out was atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> But it was really hard to fall into media sales. Um, sales in general are just easy jobs to get, right? If you're pretty personable or if you have some kind of a good presentation, they'll take a chance on you. Yeah, it's it's very low downside, high upside. Yeah, so I, I actually started out, I got a job with a, with, a, with a magazine, but I was horrible at selling it. <laughs> and the reason why is because I just don't think I believed in the product. Um, for me, sales, you have to believe in the product you're selling. 100%. And so, and it was it was all commission-based. And so it was really hard for me to bring a sale in when I didn't really feel that the magazine itself was run properly. And so I was terrible at it. So I left there and then got my first real job in media sales, um, but it was in the print side. I got into um, newspapers. So very local. Uh, it was called Gateway Press back then, which was owned by the Trib, and the Trib still has those monikers now. Um, Murraysville Star was my paper. So, but I just found unique ways to take a page and divide it up into eighteen different squares and go out there and sell because it was really expensive. It was much more expensive than the other local paper, and I just found ways to help the the, the client. Like I really focused on the client, right? If you, like I said in the very beginning, we we act as a bank. If you only have if you only have $5,000 to spend a month in marketing and I'm trying to take that money from you and then on top of it overcharge you, it just doesn't sit well, well with me. So so I did that for about, um, I want to say two years. And I actually really, really dreamt of wanting to work at WDVE. Um, back then it was the number one station. It's still a pretty strong station in the market, but back then it was by leaps and you know it was huge. So I actually left my $40,000 job uh, to make 400 a month to go there because I didn't have any experience and yeah. that station only hired uh, sales reps from other stations with experience. And so they took a chance on me and they just said, well, we're just going to give you this 400 a month and go do it. And I did. And I moved in with a friend of mine and within six months, you know, those months were hard, but the back half of the six months, I made that 40 in six months. So it was a good move, but and you believed in the product, the oh, product I love the in. station, just everything about it. Um, yes, so I really had no issues selling it. Um, but the and a quick, just yeah. a quick question while I'm thinking of it. So you got your radio station. There's 24 hours a day that they can fill. That's kind of their max, but also their minimum. And so with the different sales reps, was it like a segment? Like I have the afternoon show or the morning show, or how how does something like that work? Yeah, no. The way it works is, um, and for me, they put me completely on my own. They they said you're not going to get any clients. You're just go do it. Um, and so I really moved into the car industry heavily. So I reached out to car dealers. I met them. And that's kind of what I started when I was in print. I really brought in a lot of car dealers. And were you parking. walking into places? Were you cold calling? Cold like, calling the whole bit. Yeah. Making a phone call. Damn. This is back when the Rolodex days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before computers. Um, I know I look young. <laughs> um, but it, it, yeah, it was cold calling and everything and just going in and just forming a relationship. And the, the thing that I added as a sales rep, and I'll get back to your question, is I really cared about their marketing dollars. Again, um, the theme here is really just caring about somebody's budget. Yeah. Because if you take care of that budget and you show results, they never leave you. Right. And so that has been the whole, you know, 
foundation of, of the agency. And, and to just even take a step back, like for the company Han and I are building, one of the things that we'll notice is if we can just correct a misallocation, like that's, a, that's part of the value. It's like, man, you're, you're just burning money over here. Like if yeah. you just steer the ship a little bit in a different direction, it's, it's a better allocation. Maybe you're either saving money or you're seeing better results on that basis. And that's really like, I, I didn't appreciate that before we came into it, how much of the game is your ability because they already have a budget they're already established business like you're helping them get off the ground as like the first month of a startup this is an established business that's looking to change the trajectory yeah so back to your question i so wait i could sell anything right i could sell anything on the station yeah and um i always find loopholes and so the loophole i found was that the managers wanted me to sell morning drive midday afternoon and they had these really high prices um and so I would go in front of somebody, I'd say, oh, it's $600 a spot in afternoon drive. And they would look at me like, that's crazy. <laughs> and, but midday was 300. And so I started selling it on a rotator. I would go in and I would say, well, let's all pay $300 a spot and we'll run 6A to 7P. My managers were like, well, everything's going to run in midday. And I'm going to say, that, that's okay. We'll, we'll take it if it doesn't. Everything ran in morning drive because they don't sell out as much. So... So I found that loophole and I did that for a little while. Um, and then it really started to get to a point where, you know, the stations, they started getting bought out by corporate America. They were clear channel when I was there. Um, you know, everything was about raising the rate every 20, every, every year, right? Yeah. January, 20% raise, 20%, you know. And I would sit there and say, wait a minute, I, I'm put these clients on this station and I'm here writing their commercials and I'm getting them great results. How am I going to sell a 20% increase in rates when there's no increase in listenership yeah and they never you know they didn't really like that and so i had to find more loopholes and then at one point i just said i'm gonna go on my own and that's the reason why i went on my own so i'm gonna catch something before we get on to going on your own you said you were also writing the commercials so there was a little bit of a oh, creative I would write them the whole bit well because i had there. to get them results yeah and so, um, you know, a lot of creatives, creative agencies, you know, they tout that creative, but sometimes creative doesn't get results. Yeah. And I would write the commercials because I would try to get, the, I'd convince them to get on for a month and I'd say, just try it one month. I'll write the commercial and then I would get them great results yeah. and then they would stay on. Well, so. I, I think there is a connection though. It, it, like another thing that people do in a very simplistic mental framework is to like split sales and marketing as these like very kind of siloed operations. Mm-hmm. But if you want a great copywriter, usually I would look to a salesperson for sp- first because they actually understand persuasive language and have usually repped it out. They have their language or their, you know, their their ask or whatever. I was talking to Lilani before we were coming down here. I was like, I have a script for emails that gets guests on the podcast. It's it's honed. We've done it 400 times. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. And it was, you know, that's not the first time I've written an email like yeah. that. And I just helped somebody write an email. I, I was like, remember, we only read the first two lines. Right. What, are you what did I say? I said <laughs> the subject line. The subject line before she even opens it. The subject line has and, to be right. And this email, and they're recruiting vets, and there's a new uh, company coming that's going to do like the Med Express of, of, of for vets. Okay. Uh, to Pittsburgh, and I was like, look, you already lost me. You're talking about, you know, we're coming to Pittsburgh. Who cares? You know, <laughs> first two lines. So I edited the whole um, copy, but I don't really. I do all that stuff for free. Like I'll make logos for people for free. I do all that for free because I just feel like that's not my expertise. Right. Um, but think about how much it just helps somebody that maybe, you know, doesn't have the money to do that kind of stuff. Totally. So, so okay. You finally, you get fed up with it. The The rates are going up. The impact is not going up in a, 
I was also on 100% commission, and they wanted me to come in every day at 8.30. I mean, you think about what the world's struggling with right now. Just, you know, I work effectively on my terms. I'm not a morning person. I always laugh when people ask me, why'd you start this business? I said, ah, so I could sleep in. (laughs) I really just, you know, didn't want to have to be there at 8.30. I just didn't see the reason. I felt like- Especially if you're getting results. I was always hitting my budgets. I brought in all my own media, uh, my own clients and revenue. I wasn't, I didn't have any help. And so that's just, that wear and tear of- of continually being on my own and working for somebody really just, you know, I never thought of owning a business one day. It just really evolved from working in corporate America. But to, so, so to start a media agency at that point in time. Oh, it was tough. The, <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm just trying to think through the and scenario. This is 17 years ago. Exactly. So 17 years ago, I'm thinking of the scenario here. The There is no Facebook ads platform. There is no uh, YouTube ads platform. Maybe the most nascent stages of pay-per-click Google, if I'm like even, I don't even know if they oh, had launched that product that yet. yet. That yeah. was like, that was still like just completely brand new. And the primary relationship by which, you know, either DV or these other, you know, TV, radio, magazine, whatever channels, a lot of that was their salespeople trying to fill the channel. So, so you're now taking this opposite uh, uh, position as the agency representative of the brand that might be doing the buy. So you're kind of stationing yourself in a, a novel position that you hadn't otherwise been in. Yeah, I really just became almost the advocate. Like, you know, I'm going to come in here. You think you're you're paying, you're getting two spots for a dollar. I'm going to get you four, right? For nice. that same dollar. Okay. And that was my sales pitch. And my first client was um, Don, Allen Automo- uh, Don Allen Automotive. Um, they are no longer in business. Um, they decided to sell their franchisees off um, when the 0708 um, crash happened. So, gotcha. um, but, you know, they took a chance on me and, um, I would go in there every day and, um, you know, my background was really radio. So when I first started, everybody wanted to call me, Oh, that radio agency, you know, so every part of my career in my business, I've been called something. And at that point it was that radio agency. And, and you alluded to automobiles earlier. There was a degree to which this is the same type of characters that you now came to in a different capacity. Hey, it's me, Shay. I'm doing this now. But like, yeah, it was interesting because I, I started with the one and already immediately I got like three others that yeah. just jumped on and said, yeah, I want you to take over my because because another reason why I started the agency is I, I actually had clients that would have me build up their results. I would tell them what stations to buy. I would write their copy and then they would go to an agency. So that happened three times. And I said, wait a minute, I am building these companies up, showing yeah. them what to do. And then some agencies getting all the credit well then they take over and then the client would force them to still buy me on dve and i thought wait a minute this has happened three times i need to do this myself yeah (laughs) Yeah. that was another reason why i started it so you started as the radio person tell me about how the services have evolved because i was you know looking at the website or even just you know common parlance the the way you talked about the the different nuances of all these different channels can you maybe just like almost like try to take us sequentially about these services that you've added in the order because i think Another thing that's that's very hard to conceive of, uh, you know, uh, a well-established business, you get to do a lot of things, but you have to kind of start with something of a narrowly framed focus. But yep. then once you pick up a little momentum, you can kind of add add to the pie. 
Yeah, I was, you know, I was never somebody fake it till you make it. So I was very much like, this is what I can do right now. I can, I can buy radio. I'll start teaching myself how to buy television. I don't think it could be that hard. I know about print. Um, I knew magazines. I came from all these places. The only one hole I had was television. And so as I started out, you know, I would try to do my best to kind of say, let's see which medium makes the most sense for you. And most of the time it was radio because um, a lot of people can't afford television. Um, if no you can't afford to budget. buy television uh, effectively, you, you go back to radio. And things have changed over the years um, with that kind of theory. But that was, you know, radio was very strong. It was a great medium complement to television. So I had that niche. And I, you know, and then I, you know, as I kept growing, uh, the first three years I was on my own, I really, you know, you know, to be quite frank, I just, you know, I started my business. Another reason was to have children. And so I, you know, thought, oh, I'll work from home. I'll do this like a side hustle in a way. And I did that for three years and I ended up not having children. So um, after I got through the, I'm not going to have children phase, I completely ramped up my company Yeah. and that was years. That's really been, um, it's 17 years old, but it's really been the last 10 years where I've really been focused on growing the business. So. And, and when did you... I'm sure, you know, the the nature of um, any client services business like that is to some degree, you're reading the tea leaves as to where trends are going and, hey, we need to add yes. pay-per-click or we need yep. to add Facebook, we need to add whatever um, because of your vantage point. But then there's probably also a degree to which the clients are yammering about this, that, or the other thing. It's like, man, I got to figure this yeah, out so, if I'm going to Yeah, so the reason why I went back to, you know, kind of why I started it yeah. is three years in, that's when I started hearing that. So when I started growing the business, I had landed Duquesne University. It was probably my first. I still have them as a client. Yeah. Uh, so I landed them by myself. It was just me. Damn. And now they have a team of 30 people. It's crazy that they've stayed with me this long. They're also my alma mater. But that's when I started realizing, okay, now people are saying she's the radio agency and I have a client like Duquesne. So that's when I decided, what do you do in that instance? You go hire an expert. So at the time, I hired a, a woman that was the top uh, TV buying expert in the market. I always knew of her uh, when I was in the radio days. I didn't know her personally. I didn't work with her. But she was known as having the biggest budget to spend in television, and she was known to be a very strong media television buyer. And so I hired her. How did you do that, though? Because that, that does not sound like an easy person to recruit. Um, she, I can't even remember because it's so long ago now. Uh, was she, she was on her own. And I think that, you know, the company she worked for, she was starting to like change and she wasn't going to have the same kind of environment. She wanted to work from home. She always worked from home. And so I, I can't remember if she had a job. I don't think I took her from a job. I think she was pretty much like ready to be available and the timing all hit and somebody connected to me to her and, and she was available. And then, then all of a sudden nobody could say I, I didn't know television. Yeah. And that's really how I've expanded the capabilities. Um, and then I started getting in a hole where I pitched, who's now a client, Eaton Park, and against all these different agencies. And they told me I didn't have media strategy. So that was probably like about, I don't know, um, I'm going to say over 10 years ago. And so then I thought, I need to have a media strategist, you know? And so then I started bringing media strategy into my agency. So it seemed like every time I came up against an obstacle or some kind of a wall, I figured out how to go through it by either bringing somebody on, expanding, learning myself. And so that's really how all these capabilities have grown. It's, 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 and we always try to stay five steps away, uh, steps ahead of the client. I mean, I've been talking about ESO with my clients for six years. They are just starting to use us for those services last year. Can you define that for us? 
basically nobody wanted to hear that Earn Shared and Own Media were going to work together with your paid. And so they just saw me as a paid agency and they kind of had their own people in their own departments or they were dabbling with PR firms. And when COVID hit, um, the really things that, that came out out of COVID were social media. Everybody was on social media. Like, what does your brand say about you on social media, right? So that was a big thing out of COVID. Television viewership tripled. You know, out of home got hurt. I feel bad for out of home, but you're not out of your home. Yeah. Uh, radio got hurt. Uh, the drive time media, you know, that went no away. No commutes. Yep. So a lot of mediums got hurt. Some of them expanded and got better. And it was really the social media organic content. And I had hired somebody a couple, you know, six years ago to do that, but they just weren't really the right fit, I guess. They were very talented and very good, but they just didn't know how to match. They didn't know how to pull the paid in. And so when I hired the person I hired last year, who's just doing an amazing job, she gets all of it. So we were really able to expand those capabilities last year into this year. That's a big part of our growth as a company. So this might be kind of too small, but I want to make that a, a tangible example for folks that even like earned, shared, whatever okay. is, is yeah. flying over their head. So, um, you know, earned in the very conventional sense is the, the traditional press release or, or PR motion of interfacing with the media entities that already have distribution for their audience. And you're helping to craft that story, make it into a form that's digestible for them so that they would want to share that and you're not necessarily paying for the distribution in that case or well, maybe you are. but that's what's changing in the industry and i've been saying this with a lot of people looking at me like i'm crazy but it's a pay-to-play arena yeah so yes a television station is not going to just do a story on you but they might let you buy a, a commercial break you know at 5 uh, 10 and take that whole break and make it look like a news story and put it on that's earned media. So you're kind of paying for it, but then you end up getting an earned like PR piece from it, or it expands out and gets shared. Um, that's your shared media. Uh, but earned can totally be, um, you know, it, it can be all kinds of things, word of mouth marketing. Um, but it really, it really relies on your social channels and your organic content. What do you say about yourself? I mean, for example, you decided to reach out to me and do this interview. Well, that was my earned media through that um, adapting yeah. um, content, right? You, you might not have heard of me before. Or maybe you never knew anything about the agency, but you watched that. That was earned media. Yeah. That was me getting my content out um, with really, you know, just putting it in some kind of a social channel. Uh, like the ad fed to actually get that message out. So, And then from a media strategy standpoint, that can go in so many different directions. But um, something that I saw a startup do here in Pittsburgh, um, I, I'm not going to say in case they're not a client, but they got uh, some sort of uh, funding. And instead of just making it like their blog post or their graphic, they were written about in the Pittsburgh Business Times. And then they shared that on their channel, but put paid spend behind it. So that does this double- That's called native advertising. So, so that does- this this double whammy of you are not only elevating the story about yourself so that yep. if they, they I mean I'm in Pittsburgh so they were probably focusing it geographically but amongst other factors but you're also driving people to that media entity's website and they're seeing man when we write about this company it gets a ton more traffic which at the margins is how they decide who to write the next subsequent story about they are still driven by metrics like yeah. that right now i'm not doing any paid marketing but i think about i do a lot of organic marketing of our agency and i do think about i just take one article i 
put it up on a paid, maybe throw it in, uh, throw it within uh, advertising social channels, and then all of a sudden it says Hoffman Murtaugh, blah blah, whatever I want to say, right? Yeah. And um, all those things, you know, it's 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 a pay-to-play arena. Like you literally could pay to get your message out organically by really just saying what you want to say about yourself. What is your brand? What do you want to say about yourself? And then getting it out in the proper channels. I mean, everybody. That is where Facebook went. Uh, people forget that Facebook used to have this really strong algorithm of, oh, you had all these followers, you were gonna show up. You gotta pay to show up in people's feed now. Yeah. Like if people are, only 1% of your organic followers are probably gonna follow, are gonna see your organic posts. And people don't realize that that was, that was by you know design. Yeah. We're now paying Facebook all this money <laughs> to be seen, pay to play. So you want to be seen, you got to pay. You got to pay somebody to write something. You got to pay something to get it out there. You can pay to get it out there higher, be seen. You can pay impressions based, you know, all these things you can do to get your message out faster and wider. Gotcha. So as you've grown, like you said, you're approaching 30 people, uh, the biggest media buying entity in, the, in this market. And one of the things that I was really curious to hear your perspective on was, so you use this analogy, you, you, you found the woman who was the preeminent TV buyer, you went and you basically found the best, paid whatever was yeah. required to get her in. Um, and then similarly, you just found this um, ESO uh, person that, that uh, joined your team as well. What is your take on the the kind of balance between going out, hiring, like hunting the talent that you need to fill the team versus developing internally? And I understand it's not black and white, like you just, you know, singularly do one or the other, but like at the nuanced kind of middle, when are you looking towards like, hey, we, we have to go find that external party versus like, let's be patient. Let's, you know, tell... Susie or whoever to, to like really focus yeah. on LinkedIn because we're going to need that skill set here. So we have built our um, leadership team. We're filling in now below that. Okay. So there's really, you know, there's really, I can't see a leader outside of maybe somebody, somebody similar to me one day. If I want to maybe not be in the, the day-to-day operations stuff, but I have my top media director, I have my top uh, activation media director, I have a, a strong finance person, I have a strong director of the whole analytics and the Power BI and reporting person, I have a strong digital director, I have a strong SEM, you know, we've built, we've, we've pretty much, with having 30 people, I finally have my top layer, and then I have the layer below them, and we're now filling in. Uh, below that, group. and have you had to bring people up? Oh, through? these are people that start out with me entry level. They all so most of them. I've had some people with me for nine, ten years that are now running the agents, like they're in the director seats. Gotcha. Yeah, the, my longest person has been with me for nine years. She is the director of activation. Uh, the other second longest person I've had is the director of media, and that was all on them. They they listened to me. They I helped guide them in the way that I needed to guide them. Uh, we worked together to grow these companies, and we've really grown up together in so, the agency. So my interpretation of that, and and this is just you know me trying to pattern match a little bit, is if you are on some sort of uh, hyper growth track, you're taking outside capital, you have some sort of obligation to like return dollars in the mid, uh, near to midterm at some elevated rate, you have to go then find all the mercenaries to quickly assemble just because of the, the rate of, of change that is required there. But in an, uh, something like an agency business that is, you know, more bootstrapped, kind of like more, uh, you know, piecemeal marching forward step by step, 
the ability to do that kind of long-term talent development and then have those long relationships where you have, I can't even imagine how much chemistry you have with someone you've worked together with for nine years, that there's there's a, an efficiency of motion that's necessary when you're bootstrapped, but that also leads to those kind of like long-standing employee-employer relationships. Well, so... Just to explain a little bit about us, I actually try to grow slow. So I actually give up, give up clients. I have fired clients. I don't want to say fired. That's a harsh word. But I, I've parted ways with some of our biggest clients. Yeah. Because, you know, for example, this year, I had I brought in all this new business and I didn't have enough people. And it really, really was scary to me to have to hire six people ingrain them in the agency and you know so then I thought maybe it's just better to give up maybe a client that's not working out and move all my people onto this new business and that was the strategy I did this year and we're still we're going to even with the loss of that really big client we're at 30% growth this year because the the risk there of, of say the six new people is they don't know the standard they don't know the culture and no. if that starts to they degrade they mess up our other clients i i would rather have that bird in hand is better than two birds on a bush I would rather make sure that my clients every day know that I'm not going to let them behind because of my growth. And so I have worked very hard to make sure that all my clients are taken care of and they never feel like, oh, wow, Shay picked up this huge client. We, they don't, she doesn't pay attention to this anymore. And that is what I saw in the sales world. You know, at DVE, they would always take care of the people that complained the most, right? My clients didn't get taken care of because they were on every month. They didn't get the tickets. They didn't get the things. And I didn't really like that. I thought these are people that are consistently with you every month on your station, paying all the bills. Yeah. And you're ignoring them because somebody complained over here and asked for something different, right? So I really make sure that we, our bar is very high. We make sure we take care of every client to a very, very high level. And if we can't, then I'll then I'll cut things off. I'll. I just hi- fired another client um, about a week ago. Uh, they were shocked. And they just were starting to run over time. They brought a new marketing person in. That marketing person started, like, asking us to train them. You know, it was just – it wasn't a fit anymore. And so it, I would rather do that all day than, than become too big and then a client suffers. So what – without getting into the specifics of who this client is or anything like that, for someone that has maybe never fired a client before or just even understanding that, like, what is the – maximally graceful way to handle something like that, given that you've done it a couple times? I wouldn't say I handled it gracefully. <laughs> okay. If I could go back, it was it was a tough process. It was it went over a year of really just kind of going to the client and just saying, look, this is not working out and here's why. You know, the client was like, look, I'm, you know, I'm going to work on this. I'm going to make it better. Um, and they did for a little bit, you know, and I think the lesson to be learned is, you know, the tiger never changes its stripes, you know, as soon as you, it's that, that it's, it's also that higher, higher, slow, fire fast. It's once you see something and something is not working out, it's going to keep popping up and you're going to see it. And we did really try really hard to make it work. And the client was a very lovely client. Like they just, they were great for me. Uh, they helped expand my agency but they just weren't really listening to us um, on what we needed to do to do our jobs. And that makes it really hard because in the end of the day, you're going to get blamed if it doesn't work. And if you're not doing it the way it's supposed to work, then, yeah. I mean, why even do it, right? So that was really the philosophy is, is, and I also have realized in my life that I don't get up for money. Yeah. I get up to win. Like, I want my clients to win. I want to win. I want to feel like we're winning. I don't want to get up every day and say, well, it's great they're paying me all this money. 
but we're not winning here. And yeah. so that was another reason. I would walk away from anything if I didn't feel that um, we were winning. That's a good so. line. The, the <laughs> <laughs> Hannah's like, you can see she's gassed. Um, that's awesome. Shay, we've already gone 40 minutes. I don't even know how that happened. I've so enjoyed talking with you. Um, before we ask our standard last two questions, is there anything else you're hoping to share today that I just didn't give you the chance to? No, I mean, I... You know, the one thing I really want to tell business owners is, and you see this all the time, is, you know, take those chances, take those risks. Um, you'll never know what's on the back end of that. And you just need to just try it. And failing is a big part of it. I can tell you, I've probably failed 20 times over the last 17 years. But just trying and, and, and going and failing is the biggest part of it. And um, my employees, too. Uh, there was a time where we had some leadership that really told me that nobody feels like they can fail here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not putting that message out. And now we really, our team really does believe we're a very strong culture. And we're very much like, hey, you want to try something? Go try it. All you can do is maybe fail, right? And we'll, we'll figure it out. So I think um, last parting words is, you know, 17 years in business. Watch me out. Watch, watch, watch out for me because I'm just getting started. And I'm hitting my 50th year um, in six months. And I've got this all figured out. And I'm going to expand the agency. Oh, yeah. Moving forward. Well, I can't wait to watch you continue to grow. Um, we want to we wanna do that. And we also want the audience to do that. So what digital coordinates can we provide for folks that want to continue on the journey? Yeah, the, 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 best, um, the best one I would say if you wanted to reach out to me is LinkedIn. I am, uh, I'm the only probably Shay that's in Pittsburgh that's in marketing. So you'll probably be able to find me, Shay Murtaugh, on LinkedIn. We're getting ready to launch our, our own podcast that really our podcast, um, not like yours, is really to talk to people who want to get into the industry. Maybe they've been in something else and they want to switch or they're getting ready to go to college. Um, it's an 18 to 40-year-old target. Having people that have started companies or in photography or we did we had said that we had done some of the people you know. And so we're launching that. Uh, I think the best place to find anything will be our LinkedIn channel. We do post on all the different channels that make the most sense. But LinkedIn is business. And so you'll, I would say follow us on LinkedIn. Right on. We're going to link that in the show notes. You can find it in the podcast app uh, where you're probably listening to this or at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast for this and every single episode of the show. Before I let you go, Shay, I would like to give you the mic one final time to issue your actionable personal challenge for the audience. All right. So this is a great way to think about the future. And one of these techniques that I've learned from uh, a company that really works with athletes that are at the high, highest of their potential and what he taught us to do was to write five minutes every day in your journal about where you see yourself a year from now. So you, you, you wake up, you write down, uh, I'm going to have this account, I'm going to have this house in this mark area, or whatever you can dream of. You write it down every day for five minutes in your journal, and you will be so surprised that you will have all those things one year later. I dig that. And I was, I was going to ask if you did that in the morning. I did morning, do that and it worked. Morning or the, the evening? Morning. You're a morning person. Morning. But it's really just talks about how our mind thinks and yeah. our behaviors. And if you actually think of something and dream about it every day and talk about it, you actually make it happen. Well, I, I, I've, I've heard that in different ways where it's like if you can create the end point, your, your mind is just this problem solver. So it's like, okay, that's the end point that we're trying to get to and it's going to go, you know. The interesting change on it that most people haven't done is you actually write a year from now. So you write down, today is June, what is today, the 15th? 16th. Today is June 16th, 2022. And you write where you are next year. Oh, I dig that. 
next year I'm sitting in my high-rise condo I bought downtown, <laughs> you know? So you just think that way and it happens. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, uh, I feel like I need to take that challenge. I hope the audience will as well. Um, thanks so much for making some time to come on the podcast. Thank you for having me. We just went deep with Shay Murtaugh. Hope out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of my conversation with Shay. If you enjoyed it, then I hope that you will check out episode 418 with Marco Mirandas. Marco is also an exceptional thinker in the domain of marketing, more on the brand side, but you pair this stuff together, you will become a better marketer and whatever it is that you're working will have a greater chance to grow. Thank you so much for listening to this show. We have another great episode coming for you next week. Hit subscribe. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.